Good morning, quitters. Everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. Today is November 9th, 2020. It is warm and sunny, and Joe Biden has won the election. So the weather is really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so today I have a very special guest with me. This is a very close friend of mine who is also my co-producer on comedy shows and running mics. Today we have Lee Lan. Hey. Yeah. Are you going to say hello? Hello, everybody. <laughs> I will also listen to this. You will also listen to this? Yeah. You listen to your own episode all the way through? Yeah, I listen to my episode on most podcast. <laughs> Shout out Thoughts for Your Thoughts with Mo De Niro. Mo Singleton. Mo Singleton. His Instagram is Mo De Niro. His name is Mo Singleton. Sometimes he goes by Mo Mo De Niro. We'll have him. On, I'm gonna have him on in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Sounds good. Nice. Okay. Well, Lee, you are a comedian, right? Hell yeah. That's not my normal. Yeah, I'm a comedian. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into your uh, thriving comedy career let's uh let's get some background on you so for this episode i have to pretend like i don't know almost everything about you and haven't seen you come up in comedy (laughs) but i feel like most of people who listen to this will be friends i mean hopefully not at some point yeah thoughts and prayers (laughs) that's aroma right best of luck yeah there you go okay all right lee where are you from i'm from I'm a Chinese person from China. Okay. <laughs> what part of China? A place you won't be able to pronounce correctly. And <laughs> I will have to, conc- I have to r- correct you a couple times and you still wouldn't get it right. So let's just say China. What province? It has an, it has an English name, right? <laughs> Why does it have to? Okay, fine. All right. Never mind. So, okay. <laughs> Don't be difficult. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to help myself. All right, fine. And everybody. Okay. All right. So you're from China. Uh-huh. And you're a stand-up comedian. Uh, hey. How long have you been doing stand-up comedy? A year and three, two months. A okay. year. A year? That's called a year. Nice. So when, when, did you, when were you first interested in stand-up comedy? Probably from summer of 2018. That recently? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How, uh, who was your, what kind of got you into it? Uh, huh, huh, huh. uh, one of my college friends who's not a friend with, uh, with me anymore. Uh, I wrote a joke about her. It's pretty funny. But she was really into, com- she was really into stand-up comedy and she was just like, she, I was going to talk shit about her, but I decided not to because I'm trying to be a nice person. <laughs> but yeah, she introduced me to it, but not the comedy, the the specials. She made me watch with her together. Uh, now I'm not really about it. But like, this is fun. Then I started to watch Dan Soder. Mm-hmm. He's so fucking good. So what were the specials that she showed you that you liked, that you looked back Oh, no, on? I just like, I like this form of, comedy i like it i just i just started to watch it for fun then Mm -hmm. i got really into comedians and cars getting coffee because before i'm like i don't know what i can do i don't like 
Sorry. I'm a very difficult person, and I'm really petty and picky. I'm like, I don't like, di- I don't like this. I don't like that, and I don't think I just. I'm the kind of person I need certain kind of passion if I need to do something for a long time. Mm-hmm. Then I really like the comedy philosophy they were talking about in the show. Yeah, like I think I can do this. And I just moved to New York to do stand up because that's the the players. That's the place where you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Maxim, what? I don't understand your hand gesture. Just tell me how should <laughs> how close I should be with the microphone. You just got to make sure you're speaking into the top of it and not off to the side of it like this. You just want to be right at it. That's fair. <laughs> Is this right? Yeah, I forgot to have the coaching section before we recorded. I make sure yeah. to coach all of my guests on how to have the microphone in front of their face. Okay. <laughs> oh, I just burped into your microphone. Did I didn't you hear burp that? It. I didn't burp in. I did. You burped into my Did you hear that? No, I didn't. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I just burped. Okay, so you you have a friend introduce you to stand-up comedy in general. Uh-huh. And then you start watching comedians in cars getting coffee. Dan Soder you, first. You watch Dan Soder first. You really like him? I love him. He's from Denver. I'm from Denver. <laughs> hey! I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay, so you get into how... How so? You were you moved here right after college, right? Uh huh. How long were you into stand up comedy before you moved out here? Say the question again. How long were you watching stand up comedy and into stand up comedy before you moved to New York? I started to watch it summer twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen, and then I moved here twenty nineteen August. So about a year. Yeah. Nice. I thought you knew that already. I didn't know that part. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, fine. So it's it was about a year. Uh-huh. When you so you you have a year that you know that you want to do stand-up comedy or just that you were watching it and kind of taking it in. The latter one. Okay. So when did you decide what made you decide I want to give stand-up comedy a real shot? I'm going to move to New York to do this. Probably at the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. Was there like a specific event? No, just like I need to do something and I needed a lot direction for life. And I just made a decision. It's like, why did you decide to do engineer? Because you want a stable finance resource. It's just like you want to do it. There's, there's, there's no fantastic story or mysterious story or oh a lightning moment it's just like i think among all the jobs i know Mm -hmm. i just really think this is the only one i think i can see myself doing Mm -hmm. without being miserable okay that's fair (laughs) yeah so how you you knew that you wanted to move to new york city just to do to do comedy like what Six months before you actually got here? Uh-huh. So did you just save up a bunch? Just Did you have like a full plan? Were you researching the New York comedy scene? Or did you no. just, just getting out of college and coming uh-huh. here? I actually, after I moved here, I spent, like, I remember my first open mic was August 19th. Mm-hmm. I moved here August 2nd. And before that, I was watching comedy shows at a cellar every night mm-hmm. and at some, uh, some some other small bars trying to get a sense of it 
Mm-hmm. Then I just did my first open mic at one of the bars that I watched the show at. They also had an open mic. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just went and observed and prepared and kind of went to see how it looks. I in observed, person. but I don't think I was prepared. No. <laughs> Let's talk about that. What What weren't you prepared for in stand up comedy? Who was who? Okay, whoever think they're so prepared for their first open mic. <laughs> It just all ended up as oh that was all in delusion. It was all delusion. I w- yeah. <laughs> Who was prepared for the? I was I was kind of prepared then. I uh I was so ashamed. I don't even want to tell you what I talk about in the first open mic. So don't ask. I will tell you. I don't even want to tell you at all. To be to be honest. <laughs> so okay. So just content aside, what was your first open mic like? I was losing my shit. <laughs> and I said that out loud to the microphone. Oh, and I was pacing on stage. I'm like, I'm losing my shit. I'm losing my shit. It was at Freddy's Bar in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It's like Monday, 6.30 p.m. Uh, it's a free mic, a bucket mic. And the food was there was really good. Mm-hmm. So you go up and you literally say on stage i'm losing my shit no that was like in the middle of the in the middle yeah, yeah. <laughs> what like uh did you have joke how many what kind of jokes did you have prepared or actually you don't have to tell me what kind you said you don't want to talk about that but how many jokes did you have prepared one two just two jokes that's all i can remember i don't yeah <laughs> i i i just pack all like when it's not a like like a pleasant memory mm-hmm. just pack it and po- put it away never think about it anymore <laughs> need to do it you know so what got what got to you were you did you just like bomb super hard or were I you didn't nervous? bomb because people there were really nice I told them it's my first time doing open mic people were friendly they were supportive but like you know it's like some words when you're practicing at home it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're gonna laugh at every. They're gonna laugh at the end of every sentence. Every every sentence. Then you go there, like you're speaking those words out loud in front of those people. You're like, fuck, I'm stupid. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, how the hell would I think to do that? Yeah, I think I think my first time was kind of similar. It wasn't like a super like bomb, but I remember writing out like a whole script of like here's my set that I'm going to do and then I did it and maybe only like 10% of it got a chuckle. I did that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I met you at your fifth open mic, right? Yeah. You know that as a as an answer. Well, Why did you ask a question? You can just say I met you at your fir- at your fifth open mic. I just Then you can just lead into the rest of the sentence. I wasn't sure. <laughs> it's for the listeners. It's for the listeners, okay? <laughs> They're here to listen to no, a conversation. No. We actually never met. This is all in our imaginer. This is all in this is all in our imagination. It's so I'm sorry. <laughs> so we meet at the fifth open mic you did. I couldn't remember if it was the fifth one you had done that day or if it was just the fifth oh, one no, in general. Fifth, yeah. Because for the first two weeks, I think I was doing one open mic every night. Mm-hmm. Then I just like kind of get what it's like having an idea. Then I can jump into it. Mm-hmm. But I was doing it 
every day, even yeah. just one a day. Yeah. Well, uh, do you remember how well you did when I met you? I did a Trump impression. Yeah. I remember that. That is that all you remember about it? <laughs> yeah. 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 It was uh, it was interesting. The Trump impression was funny coming from you because I was like, who is <laughs> who is this Chinese girl doing a Trump impression? And it, it was funny. I liked it. To be fair, I prepared for the Trump impression. I was watching his rallies in my bedroom. For hours, just speaking after every sentence he said, <laughs> I I worked hard for that shit. Okay, I know it's hacky, but like he's funny. Okay, <laughs> so you start getting into into comedy and doing open mics, and there's a certain point where you start doing a ton of open mics, right? Yeah, as you're supposed to. Yeah, to do so, you did way more than normal people do. Oh, hmm. Uh, shout out to Sama Sticky. <laughs> He's not listening to this, but I met him at the creek one night after a mic. Mm-hmm. I met him somewhere else, but that was the first time I had a conversation with him. Uh, he asked me how many mics I do a week. I was like, at that point, I was like 16 a week. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was like, how many would you like? Were you doing like the most mic you did a week? It's like 28. I'm like, okay. I got a number now. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I was aiming for 28 all the time for a while until coronavirus happened. Okay, I'm going to sneeze real quick, okay? Do it. Just point away from the microphone. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. That's not going to get edited out, so oh, okay. make sure you have a good apology. <laughs> okay. Sorry, you know, season. No, I think uh, when I started, when I met you, we just kind of briefly talked the first time. And then a couple weeks later, we actually started talking more. And then when we started hanging out, actually, you were in this phase of doing like four or five mics every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really liked that because I was doing one or two mics a night. And it was like really nice to like. You be- were doing one or two mic every night back then. We were hard workers back then. I know, right? What changed? <laughs> what changed? <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I liked uh, I liked hanging out with you because you were doing so many mics, and it was so it was like this is really motivating, like hanging out with this person who is new but is really like chasing after it. So I thought that was really cool. Thank you. See, everybody needs an Asian friend who has good working ethics that motivates you. Shout out to all the white people who are listening to this episode out there. Get yourself a good good Asian friend with good working ethic. It's going to change your life. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see. So early stand-up, your early sets. You start doing it like all the time, like mm-hmm. four or five mics a day. Mm-hmm. What? How was your material growing? Did you have any early challenges with your material? Uh... At the early phase, I understood I was gonna be shitty for a long, long time. So I was just—I had no pressure, mm-hmm. and I have—I had no ego. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, okay, I think this is fun. I'm gonna talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mostly, it's just like bad luck. Stories about bad lucks and some like emotional trauma, blah 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 blah. And then you pick out the part where people 
tell you, oh, that was really funny. Then you keep that, and、mm-hmm. the rest of them you just throw them away. And I have fifteen minutes of A material now.、Mm-hmm. Did you ever early on? Did you ever st- struggle with performing in front of people? Yeah, who didn't? I don't know. Some people are just fine with it. <laughs> I don't think so. No, did was there a point where you kind of overcame being on stage and you're like,、oh, this is fine now? So I never had, I never had experience with public speaking before.、Mm-hmm. So that just part of the thing is doing four or five mics a night really puts you in the mood. Really fast, and it、mm-hmm. help you. It helps you get rid of the stage fear really、mm-hmm. fast. <clears throat> and the more shit experience you get out of it,、mm-hmm. the more confident you get.、You're、like what? What could be worse than that? Yeah, you know. <laughs> so you have the bottom line. Like okay, I'm. I think I'm only getting better from there. But that's also a delusion, because sometimes you think something is like. It cannot be worse than that. Yeah, and something always surprises you. But、yeah. that's the fun part.、Mm-hmm. You never know what's gonna happen, <laughs> and you learn from those shitty experiences. Like, so it's nice. It's fun. Yeah. Did you have any、uh, early triumphs in your comedy career? Like, what was your first major thing that you were like, "Yes, I did it." I memorized a full joke after I rewrote it for like eighteen times. Wow! Yeah, that's a lot of rewrites. I know. Do you still tell that joke? The it's the smoking body joke. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. you do. <laughs> no, not, not anymore. Because like I know that joke is working. So、mm-hmm. if I want to do it, I just need to like if I want to do it that night, then I just need to go to mic and practice a little bit. Like that joke is like as good as it is. Yeah. So that was like the first bit that you were like really proud of.、You're、yeah, like, I have a solid one here. Yeah, nice. What about uh like after that was it getting on shows? Oh, I didn't get on sh- like. There were a few shows I got on. I knew I was not supposed to be on, like my first show. Yeah, like whoever <laughs> get booked at their three month in comedy. Just know it's I will, my first show was my like three month in or something. No, I think it was like four. Or five, four, three. It was three. Wow. Yeah, three and a half, I think. And it just so bad. Yeah. Maxim was there.、Uh, there was a grandpa. He he was sitting really close to the stage. He fell asleep halfway during the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, It was really bad. Yeah, he was still sleeping when the show ended, and the girl he went to the or the woman he went to there with, she laughed. So he was just like face up, mouth open, or just. I was like, "Is he dead? Is it just like <laughs> old? I don't know." I think everyone in that room had that moment of like, "Did he die?" <laughs> yeah. So that one was bad. Then I did a second show somewhere in Brooklyn. I know the host. I was just like. I think I have a good five to eight minutes. They're not like super polished, but I、mm-hmm. know they all work. And I asked the producer, "I'm like, hey, can I get a spot on the show?" He he's very kind. He's very generous. He gave me the spot, and I did really well.、Mm-hmm. But recently, I feel like this year, probably after June. 
I feel like some shows I got on, like, okay, I know it's like I'm not here because people are doing favors, or、mm-hmm. I was lucky. It's like people actually think, oh, I think she can do well at the show. Yeah, it's not like let me do her a favor. It's like they know if not if like if you 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 were there, you were there at many shows.、Mm-hmm. If I yeah. Now I'm like now I'm. Before I was just very insecure, and it was just like I know what the reality was with my comedy. Now, yeah, I'm gonna sound cocky if I talk more about this. But yeah, thank you for everybody, every single one who booked me on your show. I really、mm-hmm. appreciate every single one of you. But yeah, I think it's a.、Uh, I think when you start comedy, getting on shows in your mind is such a big deal. Like you're like I got it. I can't wait to get on my first show. Can't wait to get on it. And like, I think no matter when you get on your first show, you're never really fully stage worthy for a show. You always end up on a show early in your in your like open mic phase. It's like three months in, five months in, six months in, and you're like okay as a comedian. Like I felt so bad for you on that first show because that show was a nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah. For everybody in that room, even the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listeners, so the this show we did, it was like last year, and like almost a full year ago. But it was in a hotel lobby. There was a stage at one end of the room. Then five feet from the stage, there was two foosball tables, and then five feet behind that, there were actual tables for people to sit, and that was next to the bar, and only like. Eight people were in the audience, minus the comedians, and it was just like you were so far away from the crowd, you couldn't hear any laughter, and the room was so big and quiet. It was, it was a disaster. And I hired a videographer. I was like, "Oh, it's Lee's first show. Let's get some set recordings." And it was a train wreck. <laughs> it was experience. It was, and I'm really glad. I mean, you had that second show. I wasn't able to make it, but it was really cool I that did really well. Yeah, it's good that you had that experience of like, oh, I'm fine actually. <laughs> no, no, you never think, oh, I'm fine. It's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't fuck it up.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty good, but I'm better now. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think. I mean, that's something with any skill. Just looking back and being like. I'm so much better than I was a year ago, six months ago, three months ago. I think、uh, this year has been tremendous growth,、mm-hmm. despite the quarantine.、Mm-hmm. So,、um, I f- like this is an interview style, so I don't just want to talk about what we've been doing, but like let's just start from the qu- start of quarantine. Okay, so quarantine happens. What is comedy like for you? I was. I was I was optimistic.、Mm-hmm. For me, it was more like, oh, I got more time to write.、Mm-hmm. I got some really good jokes. Like I wrote some real. Not I'm not gonna say they're really good. I wrote some really funny.、Uh, you could just say it. It's okay. I got some really good jokes. I wrote some ones during quarantine, and they're really good. I'm really I really like them. I'm I'm not gonna say I'm proud of it, but like I really like them. They're、yeah. like my my work, you know.、Mm-hmm. 
And soon enough, like, there were lots of Zoom mics. You know, I'm not.、Mm-hmm. I know lots of people are again. They're like, "Oh, I don't like Zoom mics," but I think it depends on how you see it. I like Zoom mics, to be honest. I think it's a good way to memorize your jokes. It's also a really good way to test your writings because、mm-hmm. you cannot like use your whole body language or like. Your energy, unless you're a really loud person, your energy doesn't deliver. Right, and it's just a little, it's just a little off. Like you're, like you're sitting in your bedroom in front of the laptop with your headsets on, and you're just like being high in energy. It's a little weird. So I think it's a really good way to test out your writing. Yeah, it's like act out emotion aside. You need good writing for your jokes. So. I like Zoom mics. I got a lot out of it. I made some really good friends.、Mm-hmm. We got closer with some people. I appreciate those a lot. Yeah. So and I did. I think so far I did two, three Zoom shows.、Mm-hmm. The first two ones are really good. Like, it was just people are happy. They're laughing from their couch. I liked it. Yeah. The third show it was a train wreck. The host, before he brought me up. It's、like she produced the Spy Weekly show, blah blah blah, but she never booked me.、Oh. I'm like, dude, you don't like. I, I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> I'm quiet for the for the most of the times, but I don't take bullshit like this. Like, I don't even know you. Why are you trying to guilt trip me? <laughs> so I was just like, what? So the first thing I started to say was, it's not like I didn't book you. There's so many people I haven't booked yet. Yeah, like you are not fucking special, okay? <laughs> like you, like you could be nicer to me. You could not try to not to、uh, throw shade at a random person. Like I'm like, I don't take bullshit like that, okay? So, um, so I, uh, I, I was not very nice to the host, and they have some their issues going on, and I got booked by, by one of the people. That used to be on their team, so they're having some like I don't know. I'm not. I don't know about the details, but、mm-hmm. it's not very pretty. Yeah. So and it was a very small show, and it just like I was very aggressive to them. Yeah. <laughs> and it was only five minutes, so I didn't do well. I don't feel bad, but the, this is really the, the fun part is one of the hosts messaged me after the show. He's、mm-hmm. like. Thank you for doing the show.、Uh, he's like,、um, our、uh, our viewers on Facebook Live was so high; it's higher than our shows before. Because he knows I'm really like the person who booked me is my good friend, the person who left their team. I'm like, dude, how old are you? Yeah, we're not playing this high school mean girls drama bullshit. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, like. Ah,、oh, just like people are delusional. It's like, oh, let me. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Work on your work on your own comedy. Work like produce your show. Like, work on pr- producing. Stop giving a fuck about how other people think. Like, oh, let me. And I'm not that person who like. Oh, they told me.、Oh, just... That's a little bit off the rail. But <laughs> it was a little bit off the rails. That's my third Zoom show. I it was fun for me because I'm like, this is like I I'm living. I'm not living for this, but like, ah,、oh, interesting. People are just like one more time. Like I'm like, yeah, 
Lots of people, not everybody. Lots of people are idiots and assholes. Are just dumb. Just like, what the fuck up? Stop being so fucking stupid. I'm a clean comic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Getting a little aggressive there. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so we're doing Zoom mics. You're doing Zoom mics mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Then in June. We see some other group of comedians in the city did a rooftop mic. Uh-huh. And at the time, you had a rooftop. Uh-huh. So we put together the rooftop mic. That's correct. It's called the wall. Like, do we? So, okay. We, we did the rooftop mic before we did the show, right? Yeah, we did. No. Yes. Uh, I, don't, I think, yeah, we did the first mic. And we didn't have a first two mics. We didn't have first two mics. We didn't have a name for it at all. Mm-hmm. I remember when did we do the first show? I don't know. I think it was a day right after somehow. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's like it's all it it all happened in June. Yeah. So it's fine. So we start this. Uh, what what did the mic ended up being named? Wobbly ladder mic. Why is that? Because we had a ladder that you have to climb. It's like super steep and it's like wobbly and people have to climb up to the rooftop. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it is what it is. Yeah. There's no, yeah. <laughs> so what what were you, what were your feelings about that mic? Did you, I mean. Loved it. it. Still love it. I mean, it's still going we're on. We're still going on. It's still going on, not on a roof. But no in more a back- ladders. No more ladders. We're in a backyard now, but. Uh-huh. Like I think I think that that mic was a great experience because we had to rebuild like like at that time the New York comedy scene was kind of rebuilding after like three months of like lockdown. No, there was no rebuilding. It's just like people like are so desperate. Like we gotta do something. And I think we're the first open mic in the in New York City that opened our door for everybody. It's like if we like you, if we we're friends, just come do mics. And we made so many more friends ever since. That's just such a, such, I don't believe in God, but such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was great. I think uh, we just had a great spot. Uh-huh. And we got a bunch of cool people to come hang and we bought them all beer. <laughs> <laughs> I Communism. Think, I think that helped out quite Maxim, a bit. Maxim, do you want to explain the beer phone? And I'm going to say hashtag communism at the end. Ready? Start. Okay. So we do, we give everyone beers. They can drink however much they want. But we also have a beer fund where you can Venmo however much you feel is appropriate. And all that money goes right back into buying beer for the next open mic. So for, from the people, for the people. Hashtag communism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So through this mic, let's talk about just producing the mic in the show how's that going there's no need to produce a mic you don't need to do nothing for like our mic takes a little bit more effort but just be nice to people and hang with cool people and cool people will come around and that's just the mic part Mm -hmm. so what there's so many aspects on producing shows you need to pick one topic, like first. Okay, so we start doing the mic, uh-huh. and I think I think it was after the second mic yeah. that we were like we should do a show. Oh, thanks to Maxim, 
uh, we our Mike initially got really popular because Maxim is really into photography. So he took so many nice pictures and fun pictures when people were just like laughing, chatting in person. Finally, and we posted, and people were like, "Oh, they look like they're having a fun time. I want to be a part of it." So. Maxim, thank you. Yeah, no problem. It was a uh, good practice. Nice, good, good practice. But yeah, we had after we posted the photos, the first and the second mic, we had like fifty people sign up for the next the one. The best day, yeah, we had like forty nine. Yeah, so many. Yeah. <laughs> so what? How did you like? I guess uh, how? So coming into comedy. How how did you perceive the comedy scene before you got into stand-up? What did you know about it or what did you expect? I didn't know nothing about it. Yeah. I didn't know any. I think the only thing I knew about comedy in America is Kevin Hart and Impractical Jokers. That's it. <laughs> I didn't know what stand-up was before even. So when you start doing stand-up comedy then... Mm-hmm. How did you, how how was your easing into the comedy scene? What was it like getting to know people? Huh. It was hard at the beginning, but the thing is, there are so many people want to do stand up, mm-hmm. especially in New York. One thing you have to do is be consistent. And work hard. You need because like there are so many other com- comics. They worked so hard for their stuff. They probably even gave up some things in their life to do this because they love this so much. So who are you just to come here and take a spot from them? It's normal. So it's it's you. You just need to prove to people I'm here to stay, and I, I'm here to be serious about it. Mm-hmm. I want to be one of you. Mm-hmm. We're comrades. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's really important. Because you need to take this, you need to take comedy seriously. So other people, what we call colleagues or whatever, will take you seriously. What do you think was that point for you? Did you have a moment when you felt like you were starting to be taken more seriously and more integrated into everything? This June. This June, yeah. Because I think, like, I mean, we've always talked about this, but listeners haven't heard this, but basically, we start doing this mic on the rooftop and lots of people are coming out and it's a lot of people that we really never crossed paths with before or didn't. They're all really cool people. We always wanted to be friends with them. It's like, oh, it would be so cool if we could be friends with that person. Yeah. Yeah, I think the most important part is people don't realize this. Lots of comics, they don't even realize this because some other one-year comedian asked me, oh, how did you get so involved? I I was not trying to get involved. I just want to provide. I'm like, oh, we have a space that we have a speaker, we have a mic, we have a mic stand. We, I bought a stool. Let's do a mic here. I, wanna, I wanted to provide stage time for other people. So if you're just go to some places in a circle, in the whatever called like air quote industry, whatever, there's so many people come here to take. Mm-hmm. Then, do you want to be that person, or do you want to be the person who wants to provide without expecting something to return? Mm-hmm. 
So uh, again, hashtag communism. My parents are communists. <laughs> I love them. Communism rock. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, giving back to the comedy community is like super, super important. It can't be like understated. And I think you also mentioned like proving to people that you're here to stay and you're consistent. Like the consistency is huge. Like I, I guess like if I could like the thing I learned starting comedy back in like Boulder was that, oh, if you show up at the same place every time it happens people will start to get to know you and take you more seriously and people will like be will be like oh this person over the time people will be like oh this person is one of us now right it's just kind of like a you just kind of grow into it and i think mm-hmm. doing open mics like in the before times and some a little bit now but you would see people who would do it like you'd see them once or twice and they just vanish and I think a lot of comedians are averse to getting invested in people they don't see come around all the time. Yeah, exactly. I remember one of the mics I went to, it was at the stand. I was really new. I was talking to one of the people who were waiting to for the mic to start. I asked her, uh, how many mics do you do every week? Because I'm always trying to look for the new, the higher number yeah. to aim for. Yeah. And this this comic said, Oh, I'm trying to do one every week. I'm like, huh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So there are so many people are like that, but no 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 judgment to anybody at all. It's just like not everybody are taking this are not taking this as seriously as other people. Some people are doing this for therapy reason. Some people are trying to do this as a hobby. Some people, me included, really trying to make a career out of this. Right. So that's just different. Yeah. So I think that's why. It's like if you're one of those people who does a mic every, who's trying to do one mic every week or every month, then, of course, other comics who go to three, three, three mic every night is like an average number for those hard, like, like if you do three mics every night, two mics to do three mics every night, you are grinding. People are going to mm-hmm. call you like, oh, you're a hustle there. So those people are trying really hard to do more mics every night and they're waiting till one, like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and of course, they're like, who are you to take a spot? You're not taking this seriously as we do. Why are you even here? Mm-hmm. You probably should just like go to some pottery class. That's that totally that's totally fine if you do it once a week. That's a little bit condescending, but... <laughs> no, it makes sense, though. If you want to make an impact and be a part of comedy, you have to be a part of comedy. And you have to be there and show up and actually put in like quite a bit of work. Yeah, I think trying to have an impact is is just something that's not that should not be the goal. Well, I guess like, when I say like trying to have an impact I, is like yeah, have people remember you, yeah, and sure, like recognize you. Of course, I think it was more like if you do a mic every week or every month, how do you even get better? Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. Like, okay, so if you could if you could go back in time and tell yourself. If you could redo starting stand-up, what would you do differently? Nothing. Nothing? Yeah. You did it all right? 
I'm at the right place where I'm supposed to be at. Not like, not like in a sense of like, what would you change? But like, let's say if, if someone else knew, wanted to start, what guidance would you give them if they were serious about it? Uh, work hard and listen to as like, or just watch, expose yourself to as much stand-up as you could. Be nice to everybody, mm-hmm. even the ones you don't like. I was not nice to people I didn't like. I wish I could. Because I remember there was at a mic, there was a comic who said, why straight dude, of course. He made some uh, really homophobe joke. I was waiting. I was like, I just caught him out. I was like, that's homophobe. That's not okay. Then when I was running to the next mic, he's the host of the next mic. When I asked him, hey, can I get a spot? Like, is the mic, is the list full? He's like, yeah, it's full. But I'm like, I saw five people on the name, on the list. I'm like, okay, this is just bullshit. But I don't regret that. Mm-hmm. So, but find your, there are so many people who you think will be, are your real friends at the beginning of your, when you're doing open, when you're doing open mics, it's very easy to get stuck with some really shitty, toxic people. Mm-hmm. I was, I was stuck with those people for a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't regret that I did that because now I have a comparison like, okay, those are the shitty people. Those are the good people who we share mutual respect and admiration for each other. So I can appreciate those people. I have more appreciation. I have more appreciation for those people I'm hanging out now. Just like find your find the right support group. Mm-hmm. Find your right friends and stick with them. Yeah, and that's basically just work hard. Like work hard, work hard. Keep writing. Write a lot. As write as much as you need. No, not write as much as you can. I stopped writing that much, but I was writing a lot. Mm-hmm. So that really helps. And yeah, just just hard working. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah, I think um not I... because I'm Asian. <laughs> Cause that's just the way to go. Cause the community won't make you a star. Yeah. You have to work hard. Yeah. And I think also is like one thing when I moved here, I wasn't, I didn't know anyone in New York City and I wasn't concerned about making friends because I knew I was here to be serious about stand up comedy. And I knew that when I, when I put myself out there and kept working at it, I would eventually meet the people that I want to hang out with. And like, it's been a crazy year. And I've met so many people, and I have like so many awesome friends now. Who's your most awesome friend? Probably you. Hey, thank you. (laughs) Judging by this episode, the listeners are going to be like, "Really?" (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I I think you just work hard, write a lot, and be nice to people, and that's like the best way to get started. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So in going back to giving back to the community. Let's talk about uh, producing shows. Oh, so okay. what? What made you want to produce a show? Ah, uh, you mean those shows I did before quarantine or now? Oh yeah, you, you did a couple before quarantine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's start with those ones. So, so before quarantine, you produced two shows. <laughs> yeah. How how was that? Let's talk about the first one. How did that go? It's something okay. It's 
so it didn't go so well that I to rather not to talk about it. But the thing is, I learned something from doing it. Mm-hmm. So everything is there for a reason. No matter you enjoyed it at the moment or not, I learned a lot from doing that. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things you learned from book producing your first Produ- show? Producing shows is not hard at all, mm-hmm. and anybody can do it. I think a lot of people learn that. Recently, especially yeah. <laughs> with those outdoor mics, I mean outdoor shows. Just your goal is now trying. Like you need, you need, you you need to set your heart in the right place. Mm-hmm. Like you want to produce shows, the raise the right reasons that you want to produce shows should not be. Oh, I'm gonna give people spots. For to pe- for those comics who also produce other shows, mm-hmm. your goal should be: I want to do this. I want to make people to have. I want to make everybody to have a good time. Mm-hmm. No matter it's the audiences or the comics on the lineup, or even the bartenders, that's the goal. That's the that's what comedy is like. Mm-hmm. That's what the com. That's what comedy is. You're trying to make people have a good time. Mm-hmm. And also, there are many details to how to make that goal happen or how to be close to that goal. Yeah, yeah. So first, first show you did. Uh-huh. What? Which? Which lessons did you pull away from that one? Uh, always check on the details. Always check the details. Always check the details. How like spell the comics names right on the flyers. If you're working with somebody producing shows together. Update the details as soon as possible, mm-hmm. and just details. And there's always gonna be something that went wrong, or that's the assumption that you should have. Yeah, and be on time, be on time for your own show. <laughs> there are so many producers; they're late to their own show. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, if you're gonna be late, find find somebody you trust. To help you to be there, start the show on time, because people are there to have to watch a show, not to wait for you to show up. Like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. And yeah, that's basically it for the first show. And the second show wasn't during quarantine, but it was when the outbreak was happening in Wuhan. Yes. And we did a fundraiser show for Wuhan, <laughs> which is kind of funny in hindsight because, like, they were fine and we are not. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the second show, let's uh, let's talk about that one. How did you feel about that second show that you produced? It was, it was a B minus. B minus. Uh huh. Nice. Or C plus. I'd say C plus. <laughs> yeah, the second show is if you if we look back now, it's not as bad as we thought. The venue, the lighting, we didn't have much experience on the lighting back then. Mm-hmm. But that's the venue. It's like we could. Now we know, but we people who went to the show had a good time. Yeah, and we had like decent. We had like fifteen people. Mm-hmm. And it was not super good, but it was not bad. We had worse ones. Yeah, we've had worse. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I guess for for that show, we were in a karaoke bar in K-Town or in Midtown. Midtown. I think think K-Town is in Midtown. 
Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for that one, I think one of our one of the big issues was we had two people hosting that I did. I was hosting with one of our good friends, but we didn't really have a well thought out dynamic for the hosting together. And then on top of that, I think the venue was too big. It was too big. It was too big. Yeah. Like, because I was thinking, okay, here's what's going on in my mind back then. I was like, it's a charity show. Who loves charity? Americans. Then I just I'm like, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we were raising money for direct relief for Wuhan, uh-huh. and I think we made. A hundred dollars. No, seventy something, and I made it a hundred because I donated something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Speak louder. Okay. Yeah, because if I can't hear you, it's not going to come up the recording. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So that show happens. Mm-hmm. Then we go into lockdown. Mm-hmm. We start the mic, mm-hmm. and then you wanted to do an outdoor show. Yeah. And this is like super early, early pandemic. Like, well, not early pandemic. but It was er- June. Yeah, it was like halfway through June we started doing these. Uh-huh. Like, I think we were the second rooftop mic that was happening. And then... We were the first rooftop mic that opened our door to everybody. That's the most important part. Hanging out by yourself with your own inner circle with your buddy bodies. That's fun. <laughs> huh. Okay, so then we do a show. And this is pretty early in terms of outdoor comedy shows yeah. as well. Like, we weren't, like, first for having a show or anything. But we're not. It, it, was, it was early. So it was early. We started doing a show in Prospect Park. Uh-huh. And what, what's the, what, how is it different producing a park show than producing a show in a venue? Oh, when you're doing a show outdoor, no pressure because there are no seats to fill. <laughs> you're just a street performer. Whoever wants to stop by, they stop by and then you say hi to them. You follow them on Instagram. You wish they will come to your future show if you have a venue. It was fun. It was actually fun. There were a lot of distractions, which all the outdoor comedy has to deal with. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. I think. But also, no comic will complain to the producer on the show like, "Oh, it was it sucked." Everybody, at least everybody told me they had fun. Yeah, yeah. So I think- delusion or not, it was not bad. But I, I to a point, I think the sh- the breaking point for me in Prospect Park was the show we did. The it got dark early, and. Not far from us, there was a family that were having a birthday party, and they have a they had a DJ booth. I'm like, no, we cannot compete with this. Mm-hmm. And I, I also like, I know, like, if you're talking, if you have like PG thirteen material, you will be conscious about kids around you, even though it's like, why would you give a fuck about the kids? The thing is. Some comics, they wouldn't stop thinking about it. It got to their mind. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that neither. Right. And there was once we went, to, we went on a walk earlier, and I found 
Uh, I remember I told you, Mike, at uh, Jane's Carousel,、mm-hmm. the lighting there was really good. I told you, oh, this would be a nice place to start a comedy show.、Mm-hmm. You didn't. You were not really about it. Like where we are, we're not very, we're not somewhere. But people liked it. Yeah. So yeah, we moved after that horrendous night with the DJ. It was just too much. Like Prospect Park is just chaos. And like sometimes we'd have a great quiet corner. And sometimes that corner would be overrun with people and music, and、yeah. so we moved to Jane's Carousel, which is a very distracting place on the waterfront. Totally. But the distractions are more consistent. Yeah, you know what you're expecting. Like, what were we expecting there for the? You、listeners? know, Q Train will be be there every once in a while. You know, there's going to be a helicopter. You know, there's some bourgeoisie pigs driving their boats and yelling like, "Hey, good day." It's you. It's predictable.、Mm-hmm. And when the trains are there, trains are there. Helicopter was there. You can riff on that. You can get a laugh. But how? Like you just cannot power through babies running around and loud music playing from DJ station. Yeah, it was.、Uh, I think the winner of that whole Jane's Carousel distraction was. We there would be of course the train. We'd have helicopters. We'd have the ferries. We'd have jet skiers. And then one time, one wedding and wedding then, groups. Oh yeah, wedding groups were there. People were having like very romantic evenings on this dock while we are telling jokes ten feet from them. <laughs> yeah, there was once there was a couple. They had their little table out. They put a tablecloth. They had a flower on the table, and they brought their own candles. They were having food right in front of Jane, Jane's carousel, and we were telling. Jokes right next to them.、Mm-hmm. And then one time,、uh, at one of our last shows out there,、uh, our friend Brian was performing, and some dude rode by on an electric longboard, and he had a drone following him, and he just rode right in front of his set. <laughs> and it was like, I think you take the cake. No one's been heckled by a drone yet at this show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that sounds fun. So what what were some of the challenges of outdoor comedy aside from the distractions? Challenges? Ah,、uh, what do you think? Some of the challenges? I cannot think of any. I think getting people to show up. Oh, that's not just outdoor comedy show. That's comedy show all the time. <laughs> so, how do you cope with this stress of getting people to show to your, come to your show? I don't cope. I just stress. <laughs> I just stressed out till the show happens, and that、uh, I accept it.、Mm-hmm. I go into the phase of acceptance. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've been I've been saying to Lee to try to get her to accept this earlier. I'm like, one of the things that makes our show special. Is that nobody comes and it's fine? <laughs> But the thing is, we cannot just settle on that. We,、right. I, I'm still trying. Real, I'm trying everything. Yeah, I'm trying on Bumble BFF、mm-hmm. to get people to the show. The thing is, you. The thing is, same thing. You have to work hard towards the goal. So when it happens, no matter what the result, the outcome is, you know you work hard for it.、Mm-hmm. This is as much as you get this time. And you just keep doing it.、Mm-hmm. So far, I still haven't had much luck yet, but I'm、yeah. trying. Because we've had some shows that were excellent for turnout,、yeah. and some shows that were terrible for ter-、yeah. turnout. It's it's always in the air. 
And so we we just moved the show into a comedy club. They let us have some a weekly or biweekly slot. Mm-hmm. How does it feel having a show back indoors now? No more helicopters. <laughs> and it's not cold. You have a chair with back support. You can order drinks. You have a bathroom with toilet paper. <laughs> and it's clean to use all that. What else can you ask? I think it's a lot of stuff that we definitely took for granted. Oh, and totally. Then when you're doing outdoor comedy for like six months and then you get to go back indoors, you're like, wow, this is kind of nice. I know. I never thought I would appreciate toilet paper before <laughs> in my life. And it's something related to comedy. I'm like, that's, that's insane. But it's nice. <laughs> I also like uh, one thing that I've been appreciating recently is when you're on stage at an indoor show, you can whisper into the mic. And the crowd will still hear it. <laughs> it's dope. I know, right? I don't whisper. Do I whisper? Some deliveries, a few jokes. Yeah, but there's certain comedians that have like whisper jokes in their set. And outdoors, it's like, all right, we just missed half the joke because yeah. you're whispering to the two people that are 10 feet from you and no one else can hear it. Yeah. Oh, and also moving to indoor, you don't you don't need to carry all your equipment around. Yeah, no more lugging around the yeah. mic stand. I I guess I I forgot about that. I think we're saving much. We're saving money on Uber rides, Lyft rides, yeah, Lyft rides now. Just not hauling hauling that stuff everywhere. Yeah, from our place to Jane's Carousel is like twenty three bucks. Yeah, almost thirty every time. It was a pain. It's expensive. <sighs> Maxim is yawning. <laughs> So, comedy. Let's talk goals. What is your next goal in comedy? We have a great weekly mic. We have a so-so bi-weekly show. <laughs> what, what's the next stage? What do you see next? Aside from just working hard, what do you think is the next thing? For myself? Yes, yeah. I want to have, I think I have 20 minutes solid, 15 to 20 solid material now. Mm-hmm. I want to make it 30. Mm-hmm. That's the goal to probably to till next year this time. Yeah. I think if I, the thing is, if you get 30 minutes solid jokes, a 30 minute huge set, that's where you can get on the road. You can get road gigs. You can, you're, you can be confident about mm-hmm. doing road gigs, college gigs. And I think that's the next goal for me personally. And I'm trying to, I've been lazy on it, but I'm trying to learn how to write sketch comedy mm-hmm. and to write some comedy pilot or pack, whatever it is. Pack called. it? No, spec, spec. That's the word. Spec is like you send, um, if you want to write a pilot or something for a, a show that exists already. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So that's like a type of audition to be a writer in a way. Exactly. Like I've had some other friends who have done this, but. Who? Brian. Brian Boucher? Yeah. I'm going to ask him. But yeah, you basically, so. If you write a pilot, you're just writing a pilot for a new show and you pitch the pilot to like a network or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
But a spec script is like when a show needs writers, you would write an episode for that show and they'd review it and they'd be like, it's basically like your audition slash your interview as the writer. Yeah. What kind of show would you like to work on? I don't know. I'm still learning and I've, I bought a book. I'm, I've tried, I was trying to study it, but Mm -hmm. I got lazy and I was at something, some other things. I think my next goal is trying to finish the book and learn from it. I'm trying to take some classes, writing classes. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find a writing job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the goal, you will never achieve you're going harmony because the goal should be get better always get better because you always can get better i think there's no ending goal i think you can have short-term goals long-term goals the i don't know i think i agree with that yeah i think like when i started comedy my first goal was to just get laughs and then it was to get booked and then after getting booked, I was like, okay. I think after I got booked a couple times, I was like, I want to move to New York City and like get better there. Mm-hmm. Then it reset when I was like, just get laughs. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, if, as long as, no matter how, how many years or how long or how well you've been doing comedy in your hometown, you, you come to New York comedy, you come to New York to do Salem comedy. Everybody starts from ground zero. Yeah. Unless you're like, you were, you just stay in Chicago and you got, you got like special deal there. You made it in those places. If you're just in small, some places that there are companies saying that's so small or bigger, even if you were touring somewhere in midwest before you come to new york you start from ground zero yeah i think uh i had the rug ripped out from under me i was like back in boulder i was like i'm doing pretty well i'm funny i'm getting booked i'm like doing a good job i did a great uh new talent night set at comedy works and i got huh. here and i don't think i got like a good laugh for a couple months no. <laughs> it took a while to rebuild and then it was like oh i want to have a good mic and then i got myself a mic and it was not that great and then the pandemic happened and then now the mic i have with you is excellent Mm -hmm. so we have the best open mic we have the best outdoor open mic in new york city yeah i'll I'll go ahead and say that we're not trying to brag people told us that we're just quoting quoting people yeah that's uh we're on the cover of time magazine and those are quote reviews the best yeah times mag time magazine they report Open mics. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so um, in terms of uh, show booking, um, this is something that you're pretty passionate about. How do you choose your lineups? Because um, I'm Asian and I'm mm-hmm. a woman. And lots of my friends are in the LGBTQ community. So when I first started to do shows, I was just like, I'm just going to book my friends. It's because you know who they are. You know how how their comedy is like. And then um, our friend Sharia Mattis, she has a really good show called Loud Bitch Comedy. Yeah. And it's a show that support, uh, it's like 
very pro uh female women LGBTQ group and BIPOC people, and I love that. I want to like I'm trying to make our show something like that, but I just cannot brand it because、mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to put a label on it. Yeah, but you're really committed to diversity in the lineup. Yeah, because. All the lineups, mostly in the cities, is like it's ninety. I'm just gonna say this: so many white street people got booked, and it's nothing. I'm not saying there's something wrong with it. People book their friends, whatever. But it's not that hard. It's not hard at all to go out of your way to look for. Really funny comedians that are that that's LGBT that's in the LGBTQ community, or that's BIPOC people. Like, I always tell people, especially after Black Lives Move Black Black Lives Matter movement,、mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna book more Black female comics because、mm-hmm. they, they, they. Why not? They're great. There's、mm-hmm. so many of them. They're just so funny. And I try to tell people, other producers, like, "Oh, you should have more black female comics on your show." They're like, "But I don't know a lot of them." No, you're not trying hard. You're not trying. It's、mm-hmm. not hard. So I want to have. So every, basically, all my shows, I want to have everybody, because like that's that's how it is. We it's not like we don't have. Just I want to. I just want to have everybody. Mm-hmm. So,、uh, yeah, I think that's great. I think、uh, you really make a very directed effort to get funny people from all walks of life and backgrounds and race, gender, sexuality, all that.、And、I think it's cool. It, it creates a good blend. Like, I I remember seeing shows before that just like like this doesn't happen so much in New York City, but before like a while ago, I would see a show where it's like six white dudes, and I'm like. All their headshots look the same. <laughs> I know, right? And some people they're like, "Oh, this is a." There, there are some shows that are like、oh, we're trying to have more female comics on the lineup, where we have like diversity. It's like, yeah, you're booking one straight white dude and five straight straight white women on your lineup. That's not diversity. Yeah, that's not like. Yes, thank you for supporting female comics, but female like female comics, women in comedy, does not equal to straight white female comics in comedy. You know what I'm saying?、Mm-hmm. There's so much more. There are less minority comics, minority female comics, women, women of color in comedy.、Mm-hmm. But there are many of. It's not. It's comp- by comparison, by ratio, where we have less people like. We have less than Western female female comics, but they exist. If you look into it, it's still a huge group. There are so many talented LGBTQ comics. There are so、mm-hmm. many good women of color comics. Why they're not getting booked as much?、Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, I know this. I know this white girl. She could be funnier. Why is she on the lineup? Why is not a woman of color? Why is not an LGBTQ com? Why is not a queer comic? 
It's not like they don't exist. Why are you not trying?、Mm-hmm. I get mad when I see like lineups like that. I'm like, why? Just like why? Like there's like those those straight white people. They're like, we're woke. We we support uh those people. We're allies. Those people are their words are pretty loud. Their actions are pretty quiet. I say, quieter than the graveyard.、Mm-hmm. I can hear crickets. They're not trying. Like I'm like I'm, I get so mad, but I but I know. Just because I don't like it, doesn't mean I shouldn't acknowledge the existence of this kind of situation.、Mm-hmm. I can only do things on my own part.、Mm-hmm. So, or I will just tell my friends who have who have shows. I'm like, hey, you should book more. At least, if you should book book more black female comics, because we support black women. I support black women, and I'm using my actions. And、uh, there's a comedian, Jared Waters. He made a list. He's so great at this um this comedy awards. It's it's for fun. Nothing serious. It's for fun. Um, there was a nomination for um best female comics in the city. It's it's three straight white girls and one female comic. She's a、uh, half Japanese, half. Oh. Moroccan,、mm-hmm. but she's not really around anymore. She got a job. She's she's having a life now. <laughs> yeah. So, Jay Waters was presenting the award. He was like, "Uh, here's a list of black female comics. I say the name, you guys say bookers, and then here are the Latino female comics."、Mm-hmm. Is a list and brown female comics and Asian female comics,、mm-hmm. and he turned around to、uh, the producer of the award. He's like, "Hey, you're Asian. You don't have any Asian female comic on the list. What's up?" Yeah. So I asked Jerry Waters for the list. I'm like, "I'm gonna book them, and、mm-hmm. I'm booking them."、Mm-hmm. It's not hard to make. A, it's not hard to make an effort.、Mm-hmm. Try harder. Stop being phony. You're not woke until you do something about it. Yeah. Stop the bullshit. And it, yeah, and having like a a culture of like inclusivity goes beyond just mentally in your head being like, yeah, I'm for that. It you actually have to take action and like when you have something, you should try. To reach out of your comfort zone and your boundaries and your friend groups to、exactly. include all types of people. Exactly, and also it's like if you're not one of the shows that's only booking people with credits, then what what's limiting you? What's limiting you for expanding? And also, there are so many other people have credits. And like you don't, it's like you do you not want to listen to different perspectives?、Mm-hmm. You don't want to listen to people with a different upbringing as yours. Do you really want to have six people on your lineup just like having so many jokes all going to one category? That's called 
dead in his heart, you know? Or, so the other day I was fucking this girl. I'm like, are you sure there's no callus in your ears for those kind of jokes? Aren't you tired of it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, producers, bookers, book black female comics. And LGBTQ comics. Because we support black female. <laughs> book everybody. Book everybody. Yeah. Don't don't narrow off your selection of people. Try. It's not hard. Try. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good message. I think uh I think you've done an excellent job of doing it through our shows. I'm I don't I don't know if I'm doing an excellent job, but I'm trying. You're doing a great job. We have very very diverse lineups with like all types of people. It's great. And I love hearing uh perspectives from people that you don't just hang around all the time. It's great. Yeah. So I guess uh, we're down to our last kind of 15 minutes. Oh, already? Yeah. I have so much things to be mad about. Okay. That I want to talk about. Let's talk about. That I cannot remember now. Let's talk about positive stuff. So let's talk about uh, your personal growth through comedy. What are some things that have changed you as a person that you've gotten out of doing stand-up comedy? I'm more open-minded now. Yeah? How so? Um, If... I understand people, they don't, people are not photos. Mm -hmm. The one time you see them is not just how they are. Mm -hmm. They don't stay like that. They grow, they change. They probably, some people, they probably will stop being ignorant or they will realize, oh, I should do better or their jokes just get better. That's still comedy. That's not my personal world. But being open-minded is... Yeah, like, I'm like, I I learned the idea that I should be open-minded to the idea that people will change. Mm-hmm. Lots of people will, some people won't. But that's that's on them. That's their problem. That, that's not my problem. So once you're more open-minded to the idea that people will change, everybody can change. Everybody can change. It's not everybody definitely will change. Then you just, you're just more friendlier. It's, it's a way of trying to forgive people, mm-hmm. I think, maybe. And, yeah, that's really important. And just work hard. You cannot sit around... Just wish something good will happen to you. I always know what working hard means before. Like, I know what the word means. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, oh, I've done it. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. I know, like, that's the way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and always open to the idea. Like, sometimes when you first, like, when you first time met them, you're like, this person sucks. This person's comedy sucks. But then later on, you're like, oh, this is the person I never thought that would turn into a better person or get better at this person's comedy. But they're just so better now, so much better now. I started to like them. So I'm like, you see, you see, that's people change. Yeah. I think that's very true of especially people who are like brand new to comedy. Sometimes mm-hmm. you see a new person 
they do terribly. They say some stuff that's like crazy. And you're like, I don't like that person. And you see them four months later and you're like, oh, they've actually improved a lot. And I think a lot of new people, when they start stand up, want to be shocking and intense. And they just, you just kind of go into stand up, just kind of flailing, not knowing exactly what you're saying with mm-hmm. your material and how you're coming across. But it comes with time that you kind of refine and become like a person who knows what they're doing and how to yeah. convey what they're actually about. Yeah. Also, if you, if you set your mind in the right place, once you start to go around, do a lot of mics, get yourself exposed to as, as much to comedy as much as you can, your taste will get a lot better really fast. Mm-hmm. And that reflects on your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, what did I learn? If, another thing I learned from comedy is how important that being genuine to people is. Mm-hmm. It's very important because, like, we can tell who are the fake ones, mm-hmm. and it's not pleasant. It's not doing you any good. It's not taking you anywhere. You gotta be genuine. Yeah, I always say, and I know you've heard me say this is like I only like to hang out with kind, genuine, funny people because I just don't have room in my life for people who aren't genuine and just aren't like. I don't want any surprises in people. Like, I like to be pleasantly surprised by people. I don't like to be badly surprised by but people. people surprise you all the time. They do. <laughs> they, they really got, do. Yeah. <laughs> they surprise you. They disappoint you. But that's just part of it. You just need to know how to work around it. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, doing stand-up comedy has improved your confidence as an individual? Yeah. Now I'm just like, yeah, what up? Yes, I'm oversized. But I'm funny. <laughs> I think that I don't. I don't normally see it. I didn't. Like I've never heard that. I've. Ne- I didn't expect that at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't normally talk like that. I normally talk like this. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think once I started doing comedy, I had, and especially when I started getting better at comedy, my confidence, my personal life went way up because I was like, I know I'm funny. I'm doing something really cool and I'm proud of that. Yeah, right. And I think also another thing is if you're if you're not a comic, more like once you start to do comedy a lot and your mentality starts to be like become a comedian mentality. A lot of things that happen to you that will be really shitty. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be shitty. It just turned out to be funny. Yeah. And or you can just turn into, turn it into something funny. Mm-hmm. It changes perspectives. Yeah, it's really nice. It totally does. Yeah, and it also changes the perspective that once you are in the comedian mentality, everyone else who's not a comedian is a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Maybe I think so. I. I haven't been dealing with real people for a long time, except for our last roommate. Real people means non-comedian. Yeah. So <laughs> our last roommate is a really shitty person. Fuck him. Uh, but some comedians are weird. What do you mean? Real people Real people are not weird. They're uh, boring. Okay. They're not boring. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I get it, but can you make me laugh? 
Or can you just give? Can you just bring some kind of like emotional reaction to whatever you're saying? Because I'm getting distracted, and I can't relate. Yeah, I find that once I start doing comedy, it's hard for me to comprehend the fact that people go to the go go to work, they come home, and they just chill. Like that's their whole life. Like I I like. One of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I wanted to hear all the cool stuff that's going on, like all these creative people, because they're like so many people who they get off work every day and they start their second job, which is being a creative. And I think with comedy, it's like that. Like, you know how it is. Like you go to a comedy show that's kind of a party. You hang out with the comedians there. Maybe you talk to a real person for a minute and you're like, oh, we don't have much in common. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was once you guys told me that there was this girl at a show. She was like, "Oh, I have some tea about this comedian on the lineup," and then she just said, "I hooked up with him." Oh yeah, yeah, just like that's it. That's your tea. Do you know what it means? That's called you're an you're a grow up. That's it. You're a grown up. You're having you you're. Sexually active. What else? It was immensely disappointing. I it was know. very sounded like a disappointment because it was like I was with some other comics that I'm good friends with, and this girl <laughs> invited us down to her apartment. Oh, to her apartment? Yeah, because we were on the rooftop, and after the uh. show, she was like, "Oh, you guys should come and drink and chill." She's like, "I have some tea about this person in the lineup," and we were like, "Oh, whoa, do tell!" And it was just like <laughs> it, all it was was. Oh, me and him hooked up and we like haven't talked in like four months. And it was like, wait, that's it. I wanted to hear some crazy shit. Okay. I like And then Maxim walked away. Yeah. I went and grabbed a beer and talked to someone else. <laughs> Shreya, Shreya said, uh, Maxim was like, Oh, where's the tea? I came here for the tea. There's no tea. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I was there, I would just be like, oh. So you had sex with him, and he was being a fuckboy to you? I'm sorry, but... That's like a normal part of life. Like, what else? (laughs) Like, that's it? I also think, like, I don't know if you find this, but being in comedy, you kind of get desensitized to how crazy, like, things... Like, things that are insane and wild and off the wall and horrible... You just become like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Instead of like, oh my god, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. It's like, I've heard... 200 weird stories this week on stage i like you tell me some and it's like not weird enough i'm like eh, okay it's i think people like that they're like oh this crazy thing happened to me it's like no uh you probably need to travel around go to some uh, third world countries get some perspectives or uh there's an easier way there's an easier way just like uh pick up some books like Huh, interesting. You think that's a lot? You think that's worth telling? Looks like you have a lot of time to kill. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, and then when you start doing comedy, you have not enough time to kill. <laughs> yeah. Always working hard. I feel like, for me personally, like, you know this, is I just like, I spend the whole week working doing comedy stuff and then the, the weekend comes around Play video games i need video games to unwind like for sure because 
by the time we get to the weekend and I have no like I'm like all right days off it's the weekend and then just like a bunch of stuff happens I'm like okay I'm going to two different comedy events this evening hey dude Mm. you play video games every day yeah not long (laughs) yeah not long enough (laughs) I need some alone time (laughs) hashtag alone time hashtag alone time (laughs) yeah so uh, okay let's go far out into the future of comedy goals here if like let's say what would be your five like let's say your 10-year goals for stand-up if you got to create your life in comedy what would that look like I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say it because it's gonna sound too cocky. It's a ten-year goal. Everyone can just relate to that. Ah, uh, ten-year old, ten-year goal. I wish I was famous by then. In what capacity? Just like a touring comedian. Something about comedy, hopefully. So my parents can be proud of me. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Self-sufficient. Like, I want to make, yeah. You want to quit your day job for comedy? I want my parents to be proud of me. Yeah. Note to all the listeners at home, if you want your parents to be proud of you, maybe don't start stand-up comedy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right, Lee. We're down to the end of our interview here. Oh, really? I'm having a blast. I wish this could go a little bit longer. No, there's someone at the door. We're just going to ignore it for the next couple of seconds. Do you have anything you want to say to the listeners? Anything that you want to say to someone who wants to start stand-up or is we, listening? We covered that part already. Okay. Well, okay. Do you have a message you want to send in your comedy? Okay. Oh, sorry, someone's at the door. Welcome back. Okay, Lee. Uh, we had a little hiccup there, but um, so yeah. Is there a message you want to send? Is there something you would want to say to everyone? Say to everybody. I. Who's everybody? <laughs> Anyone listening? Yeah. What do you want to say to the quitters out there? Uh, have faith in yourself. I'll. Find a like find a good support group. Find a good supportive system. It's so important. Around your no matter what you're doing, even in just like in your real life, daily life. Around yourself with good people who respect you and admire you and genuinely care about you. Who treat themselves seriously and who treat you who treat you seriously. It's so important, no matter whatever you're doing. I think that's my, that's one thing I'm so grateful about. I'm so grateful for all my friends, all my good, genuine friends. I love them so much. They're, without them, I don't know where I'm at right now. I probably will be a shitty person who doesn't get booked. I will be just miserable all the time. I'll always be like, do people hate me? Do people not hate me? Am I reflecting my, am I projecting myself hatred on people? I stopped doing that because I started around myself with good people. That's so important. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I think having a good, strong community that believes in you cannot be understated. Yeah, and how important it is. Yeah, and stand up for yourself. Don't let anybody. Doesn't matter who who that person is. Don't let anybody pull any kind of bullshit on you. You don't have to yell or get mad at them, but you have to stand for yourself, because nobody else will. Like if you don't treat if you don't treat yourself seriously as a person, not too seriously, just yeah, just don't let other people shit on you. Not shit on like, don't let other people pull bo- any kind of bullshit on you. Call people out, and be also be res- trying to find try to be respectful, even when you're calling people out. <clears throat> yeah, respect yourself, respect other people. I think that's a good message to leave this episode on. Thank you so much. Oh, can I say something else? Yeah, you can say something else. Uh, special thanks. Is that the right word? Yeah. To Maxim Allen, the Bonkor Chatterjee, Alex Richard. I'm not sure if all those people will listen or not. Chris Sher, Anya Jones, Pandora, Kristen, Lucas Arnold, Caleb Clark, uh, Mo Singleton. Sharia Mattis, uh, Gabby Jordan Brown, Alex Kim, and lots of other people for being my friend. If she forgot, you don't feel bad. There, we know we know a lot of people. You know how it is. <laughs> Just thank you for being my friends. Those people. Awesome, cool. Well, thank you for being Lee's friend. <laughs> oh, I have another suggestion. Okay, what? Sorry. Um, do not. Do not always think about oh, what can I get out of this? Think more in a way like what can I bring to the table?、Mm-hmm. I think that's that's will only do yourself good. Like that won't bring you anything bad. It will. It's just like you're gonna benefit from it so much. Just not not. You cannot do it. You cannot fake doing it. Just like genuinely trying to bring something to the table, trying to provide. Give back to your community. Exactly, absolutely. Watch RuPaul. Yeah, watch、so、RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> season th- six. All right, every season. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being on the show, Lee. Thank you for you having、fun. me. This is so much fun. Okay, you're messing with me. I'm having such a blast. Really, I. I drank a little bit of alcohol that Christian brought over last night. Like, let me try to bring my energy up. Let me try to be pleasant, because otherwise I'm just gonna、uh, talk like this, and that's not gonna be very pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a weird first half. We it was a little rocky there, but we got it. It was a good interview. Oh, did I disappoint you? No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're in New York City or near New York City, I have a biweekly show with Maxim Allen. At Eastville Comedy Club, the only comedy club in Brooklyn.、Uh, every other Saturday, called Little Panda Productions. We have a really good lineup. 
Follow it on Instagram. Or follow me. Uh, I want Pomeranians. I W A N T P O M E R A N I N A S. <laughs> oh, yeah. So follow Lee. Come to our comedy show every other Saturday at Eastville. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you next week. Drink more water. Drink more water. Give back to your community. Bye. Bye. Thank you.